Welcome back to Eye on the Community. I'm Vicki Pepper. As the world begins to rebound from a year of tragedy and challenge, crises that existed before haven't gone away. In fact, some issues may have taken a troubling turn. Have we made any progress in the opioid crisis, or has it exponentially worsened over the past year plus? Nikki Snazel is a pain specialist and physiotherapist who focuses her three practices on alternative medicine treatments and says that the last year has seen a spike in opioid usage, with patients seeking extra medication as a result result of not being able to leave the house or see a doctor. She's on the line with me to discuss how things have progressed and what can be done to reel in the effects of the pandemic to those suffering with opioid addictions. Thank you for joining me, Nikki. It's a pleasure, Vicki. It really is. How did the pandemic lockdown affect you and your relationship with your patients? Ooh, big question. Yes, not so good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very much into preventing pain before it happens because If you actually give a patient a whole set of things to do and they're not in pain, they're not going to get to the point to ask their doctor for strong painkillers so you can avoid the problem. So we were rolling this project out to really look at preventative health and educating people and holding their hand through things and showing them a whole remit of tools. I even wrote a series of books for them, which was useful when we were shut down. But it, it was a very, well, it still is, I don't know if you were not out of the woods yet with this, this new variant, but it's, it's been a very troubling time because we were shut down for three months, which meant I sat there for three months talking to patients on the phone going, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I can't hold your hand. And, and a lot of them were socially isolated, which is the thing with chronic pain is that we have a brain that's two million years old, it isn't too smart. And because chronic pain sits in the old part of the brain, that's the part that hungers for connection, for that social reassurance that gets very anxious and very frightened. And that's the bit that ramps up the pain. If you imagine you've got an amplifier in front of you and a great big switch, I was going to say knob then, but switch in front of you, and you're frightened and depressed and alone then your brain isn't very helpful. It actually amplifies it. You are actually turning up that switch and and sensitizes your brain to pain so you feel more pain. So we were in that situation where we were desperately reaching out to our patients but not allowed to give them a hug or see them or give them the treatments because often we're spoiled as physiotherapists in England. We can put our hands on people and that touch, that human touch is so empowering because it conveys trust straight away. So I'm still dealing with the mess because before I got on the line to you, i just come from my clinic, and patients uh, that I'd known for years had turned to drugs, quite strong drugs, while we couldn't help them, and were suffering with uh, disorientation, confusion. They didn't want to see their friends because of the way their memory was being affected. And actually, you know, many of them now have been coming into the office tearful saying thank god i can tell someone because it's so embarrassing and that's the one thing that i would say is most important if people can reach out and actually say help because there is a lot of help out there now it is starting to bubble back in your country and mine i think it's really important that relatives know therapists know doctors know because then we can start the journey to recovery but if we keep it a secret and covid allowed that to happen in people in isolation it can get so severe that people could take their own lives because they can't think straight. Something that I think we have all missed during COVID has been hugs, and I think what you're saying speaks to that. It's so important, that human connection, isn't it? And I think also the fact that if if one country's at war with another, you get that connection within your country. You all hug each other, you're all best friends, 
But this war was isolated each of us. This was a, we were a host, and this enemy was a virus, and everybody was scared to connect and hug because they're frightened that that person could kill them. It's a very <laughs> unusual situation, isn't it? I mean, I cycle back from work today, and it's really nice that I get smiles. And not long ago, people would scream at me to cycle over the other side of the road and keep away and don't get near me, you murderers. And there's some crazy people in our village anyway. But, um, you know, it's not conducive to feeling loved up and happy, is it really? (laughs) So, yes, and it was wise not to hug because when you're absorbing a virus, the last thing you want is a lot of the particles. So if you you were going to give someone a close, snuggy hug, and they had it, the last thing you wanted to do was to breathe it in. So there was common sense. But to substitute it for a phone call or a Zoom call, it's not the same, is it? Because often if people are frightened of saying that they're in a lot of pain and they're suffering, it's the body language that gives them away. It's that sense about them. And you don't get that, do you, in the same way? Did all the attention that went to the COVID-19 pandemic undermine efforts to deal with the opioid crisis? Yes. I had my hands tied behind my back. for the. I mean, I'm an old lady now. I've been doing this job for 30 years. And I've never, ever in my life been told I will go to prison if I dare to touch a patient. And then when we did go back and we decided we were allowed to open the clinics up again and do hands-on treatment, we looked like astronauts. You know, our PPE, our mask and our gloves and... And it frightened patients. You know, they were sort of like, oh, oh, my God, you know. And they had to have their mask on. And, you know, it's all, it's not very kind of cuddly, is it, when you're trying to you put some nice aromatherapy on and nice lighting. You're trying to subdue the fact you look like some kind of alien. And then you're trying to say, hey, come on, tell me your troubles. And they're trying to breathe in the mask. <laughs> you know, yes, it's been difficult. And then you go, don't worry. I'll get you to see your personal doctor. And then you're on the phone for hours because nobody answered the phone calls. And then the doctor was too frightened to see a patient face. Yes, it's for all of us. It's been crazy, hasn't it? You know, really crazy. And in our country, I don't know if it's the same as yours, but if someone got sick, we weren't allowed to visit that relative in hospital. Mm. So people were in hospital for weeks, sadly sometimes dying, and they weren't allowed to see their relatives. They couldn't get a hug from their relatives. And in nursing homes, people couldn't go in to see their relatives that were on their last legs, literally. So that's that's been really, really tough. I don't know if you found it's the same in your country. Yes, I think that's the cruelty of COVID-19 is that it forces people to die alone. And that just strikes me as a horrible way to pass on to the next life. Yes. And happy. I've got dear friends who've worked in intensive care in England and they're quite shocked still, and they, they've needed counseling as well, just, just dealing with that very different situation. It's something that hopefully we won't live through again, but yes, it's, it's, uh, the psychology of it has been immense. But I'm hoping, uh, Vicky, that you know we'll, we'll have learned a lot from this, and we'll go forward really, really looking out for each other even more in the future, once we're allowed to. I don't think we'll ever take it for granted that we can reach out, hold someone's hand, hug them, talk to them. Mm-hmm be there for them. You know, right. it's, I think right. it's changed all of us. What are some of the alternative treatments that you use to combat chronic pain? Ooh, have you got a few ads? <laughs> <laughs> um, the way our brain is wired is, is quite unique when it's, when it's dealing with chronic pain. Acute pain's easy. You know, you cut your finger off or something and it's painful and you've got to stitch it back on and have your pain meds. And, but with chronic pain, it's very different because our ancient brain decides what it will tell us. 
So you can up-modulate and down-modulate chronic pain in the simplest ways, simply by giving reassurance, like, yeah, I can help you. Down-modulate, patient feels less pain, a little less pain, and then just getting the patient to move in a meaningful way because we're meant to move emotion, movement. Simply getting people to do movements that don't hurt and repeating them. The simplest things, you start doing getting them to breathe, getting them to look at the way that they can use mindfulness to, ch- oh, lots of things. And then physically, physically, if you have someone, and COVID, long COVID caused a lot of nerve damage, a lot of short-term, hopefully, nerve damage. If you find a muscle contracture and you drop a laser and a dry needle into that muscle contracture and release it, it changes very quickly that nerve that's being compressed and changes the wiring up into the brain and back down again. So there are so many things. And I think if you can instantly give somebody that little bit of hope, then they're going to go back and look at their tablets and think, you know what, if I just if I just bite the end off that and I just have two-thirds of that tablet and not the whole tablet, I know that Nikki's going to just do something magical to just make my pain that bit better anyway. And I, I think it's that... Well, I know after years of dealing with this that it's that confidence that something else can be done. What are your concerns about opioids being prescribed to COVID survivors who are experiencing long-term health effects from this disease? Well, I see it every day, sadly. I mean, there is so much you can do, and I am involved in treating people that do respond brilliantly. Because with, with COVID, it knocks our immune system. It makes us really inflamed. There's a, there's a group of chemicals called cytokines that it fires up. It makes us more inflamed and more sensitive to everything. So ladies that dye their hair suddenly become a little allergic to it, and we can't taste things properly, and we get more anxious. And giving someone purely a poisonous painkiller that doesn't heal you, that doesn't change your blood chemistry, that doesn't help your immune system is the opposite to what you want because you want your body to step up. No, there's a problem, but step up and heal. And if you, if you do the opposite, and people do it for all the right reasons because doctors are very caring and they need to help the patient's pain and they have just a few minutes, but sadly that is it's just a disaster. Um, mm. So there is awareness now more than there's ever been and there will be more awareness when COVID starts to ebb away and we can think straight again to stop that happening because it's the wrong thing to do. Are there circumstances where prescribing opioids is warranted? Sure. I mean, end of life, you know, someone's got really, really, really painful cancer. I think that's a tremendous kindness. Absolutely. And in circumstances where you've got a very nasty injury and you just lopped your finger off or something, you're going to need to kill that pain. So in acute things, and if you were ahead and had an operation, I'd like an anesthetic, thank you very much. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> no, none of this, you know, dense machine or just sniffing something or a bit of acupuncture. No, I'd like an anesthetic. So absolutely there is. But with chronic conditions and chronic illness, you want someone to lose a little bit of fat and you want somebody to exercise a bit and you want, you want all those things. You don't want them to drug themselves up and sit in a chair and not know which way is up. So there's a time and a place, and that awareness, that education is absolutely key as we go forward. And hence, I'm doing a series of interviews with you guys again, just just to spread that word, because I'm getting an old goat. I've been doing this for 30 years. And often, sometimes there's just one little bit of knowledge or one little bit of a message where somebody somewhere will think, aha, I hadn't thought of that. And that starts the recovery. Or stop someone from taking the tablets in the first place. I've been speaking with Nikki Snazel, a pain specialist and physiotherapist who has written several books. Nikki, tell us where we can get those books and also where we can go to get more information. (laughs) 
Well, Vicky, if there's nothing on television and you're very bored, you can look my name up. S-N-A-Z-E-L-L, Nikki Snazel or Snazel or however you pronounce it. If you Google it, you'll then get through to my website, which I'm always updating with newsletters and information. There's lots of information there that people can, can access. If they want to know something personal, then they can email through, and I will get back to them when I can. Uh, just maybe direct them to certain people that they could see in America. Um, I, I've done a lot of teaching in the past. I'm currently teaching so people can go out to the States and share some of these methods. So by all means, that's... And yes, if they, if they really are bored and there's nothing on TV or the radio, um, <laughs> you can have a look at my books. I think they're available through the website, but they are naughty books. They were written really just for my patients. So I'm told I have to do a serious grown-up one after COVID, which I'll do for those for everybody's uh, eyes and ears. So apologies now. There is swearing and naughty stories in there. Um, so, <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, so that's that's how you can you can find the work that we do in my clinic, and people are welcome just to have a look at that. And if that helps them in any way, then that's made my my life worthwhile. So um, there you go. And is there anything else you want us to know? Well, I, I well there is so much, but no. I I, I, I think you know we have. You're going to have fun editing this because we only have a certain time, don't we? But if anybody that's listening would like to know something specific, they're welcome through you or finding my name to um, to access the website and just bang out an email because um, they're welcome. Thank you so much for talking with us today and thank you for caring. Well, thank you, Vicky, for caring too because... Radio is a tremendous gift to reach people. My brother uh, worked in the radio industry, and if I wasn't healing the sick, that would be my second most favorite thing to do because you can reach so many people. I think there's nothing more precious than, than using the radio in the way that you do. So thank you for spending the time and letting me talk to you. You are so sweet to say that. Thank you. <laughs> I'm just being honest. <laughs> That's what gets me into trouble a lot, but... Um, you well, that and your yeah. naughty stories. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>